going on, everybody? 360 Digital Closing Bell here. I am your humble, humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you live from an undisclosed location here in Denver, Colorado. As always, I am joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, Oil and Gas 360.com, Stuart Turley. Stu, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day in Dallas. A beautiful June 1st, Monday, week ahead episode coming up here, episode number 21. We have an awesome, awesome show lined up. We're going to, in the words of, of, of the Emperor from Star Wars, we're going to do what must be done and talk executive compensation. So so tune in for that one. We're also going to check in on the levels and the commitment of traders for the week and look at our 360 fund. But before we get going, I need to say a quick word about our friends at Adam and T Energy. We love having them as a sponsor of the show. And they're really asking the question, what is social risk for the energy industry? And it's not just community opposition to the development projects. It's everything from the success of the divest from fossil fuel movement to investor engagement on your ESG programs to individual states setting ambitious climate and decarbonization agendas that honestly might be a little, that, that, that you may think are unfair, but but regardless are happening. Adamantine Energy is the leading consultancy that are helping oil and gas companies prepare for all of this social risk. They're led by the, the former CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association and extreme friend of the show, Tisha Shuler. They are guiding energy companies just like yours to explore your exposure to social risk, your options for a response, and how your peer companies are responding, and the opportunities that social risk can actually create for your business, you can check everything about Adam and Teen out at www.energythinks.com. You should sign up for her weekly Both Things Are True email, because guess what? Her competitors are getting that email, and it's educating you on everything you need to know about ESG. You can sign up for that at energythinks.com. She also has a podcast that she will be launching called Energy Thinks by Tisha Shula very soon. We love that. You can also subscribe to this show we really appreciate everybody who does that 360 digital closing mail itunes spotify youtube you can follow uh intercom and oil and gas 360 on twitter the oil and gas 360 news decks the best twitter to get every single one of the oil and gas 360 articles linkedin we're everywhere follow me Stuart. Oil and Gas 360 Intercom. You can also check out the Energy 360 Network by Intercom, which is available on the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com. It's the best place for energy thought leadership. We'll be dropping a great interview with Crosswoods Advisory Group this afternoon at about 2 p.m. is usually when these drop on a Monday. And then on Wednesday, you get an excellent, excellent, excellent interview with Alex Epstein, who is the author of Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. One of my best interviews. We also have one coming June 8th with Heidi McCullough. That was an awesome interview. I had too much fun on that one i'll tell you what she is just a class act uh so is alex uh, and uh so they they're both great authors and uh she's a great producer yeah she is she's really great and it, it was a wild fact that she produced and edited her own her own movie which if you go watch it on a stranded nation on youtube very very well done her podcast is also very well done so it's i we, we enjoy them you can also if you are interested in an oil and gas 360 mug if you can see on youtube but most people listen to the podcast so you can't see we have oil and gas 360 mugs now if you would like one reach out to me we'll we'll figure out a price i'll barter with you for a mug there's a there's a price point we can get these mugs distributed so we'll put some pictures out on social if you would like some oil and gas or digital closing bell swag please let me know we will get all of that to you but with that i think we need to stop avoiding what needs to be done in terms of executive compensation because reuters they dropped this article like two weeks ago and i've been debating on when to bring it up i I didn't know if i wanted to bring it up in a um in, in its own segment i didn't know if i just wanted to slip it in and i slept on it and i i think it deserves sort of its own segment because Really, I think it's one of the most misunderstood topics 
in the energy industry from both sides because there are people on both sides of this issue and they are wildly separated in their opinions on what to do forward. You have, you know, if you've spent five minutes on Twitter, you will get the idea that executives are wildly overpaid and that they're engaged and then that shale oil and gas is a Ponzi scheme. So that's clearly not true. But then there are other people that, um, you know, the other bucket is that, you know, executives are paid exactly in line with the risk they're taking on. And, and that may or may not be true either. There, there can be, there's this idea if you follow Adam and Teen Energy and Tisha Shuler, one of her, e- her title of her weekly email is both things can be true. And I think it's going to be the big theme. And if you take anything away from this segment is there are multiple ideas can be true. You can think, you can think part of a compensation plan is unfairly skewed towards the executive. And you can also think that they're taking on a huge amount of risk. I mean, for goodness sakes, we, 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 Aaron and, and Stu got an opportunity to interview CAC specialties on the Energy 360 Network. Yeah. You need DNO insurance. You need insurance to become an executive. And whether or not you agree or disagree, I mean, that, that just that scares me. I didn't know that. And that just scares me a little bit. Woo! And they even talked about situations where uh, uh, you walk in as a board member and you don't have insurance. Holy cow, Batman. Yeah, and I would highly recommend checking that out. iTunes, Spotify, Energy 360 by Intercom. And so really, before we get into, because I, I think really the question is if, if you're unfamiliar with, with the executive compensation, you know, a, you know, not agenda, but, but you know, really conversation, well, why are they overpaid? Why, well, why are they overpaid? Well, I think to answer that question and, and to actually see if that's true or not, we have to look at the, actually how they are paid. I think we need to get an idea of how they're paid and and, and, and and what happens on that front. So there are really, there's three buckets. There, there's really two buckets, but I split them into three buckets in terms of multiple streams of revenue. You know, if you if you spend any time in, in multi-level marketing or any pyramid schemes, you hear the phrase multiple flows of income. If, you, if you're a real estate investor, it's only talking about multiple flows of income. Well, if you're an oil and gas CEO, you've got multiple flows of income coming in other than what I would call these three buckets. Two of them are stock-based. One of them is a base salary, and that's kind of the first bucket. Base salaries, they range anywhere between 500000 to two to three million. The nice part about those numbers is we you can look them up. The I, I spe- I'm specifically talking about public oil and gas companies. There's about 160 of them that you can actually just go look up their S and P numbers. So you know if you, these, these are you know these may not be the actual low end and top end, but a good range of an average CEO of an energy company somewhere between five hundred thousand and two to three million for a base salary. That's a nice W. That's a nice two week check. That's getting direct. I wonder if it's direct deposit too. That's a really nice. I'm sure it is. They're not paying out in cash. Or Imagine if they just you got a physical check every week for like what is that five hundred thousand divided by fifty two. That's like that's a that's like ten k a week. So that's a that's a nice weekly check. That's a lot of stakes. That's a lot of Ruth Steakhouse visits, especially now that quarantine and, and especially now that Texas and everything's fired back up. That's actually good to see. So we digress a little bit. So that's the first bucket base salary, anywhere between five hundred thousand and, and and two to three million. Obviously, don't don't quote me on that. Go just do your own research if if, if you want to. But luckily, it's all public. You can do it. The next two buckets are stock based. Um, some of them are, are are stock grants that are just based upon. How long you are there? It's based upon an internal set of requirements, whether it's implementing ESG programs, whether it's drilling so many new wells, whether it's increasing production. There's an, an internal equity incentive plan, as, as it is called. And those are generally in the terms of stock grants, which are just given to you, awards, which can have some clauses around it, whether they vest or do all sorts of stuff. 
The third bucket is where... And so, the, so before I get it, the first two buckets, I don't think anybody has a problem with. I think those are the normally how you would think, okay, if you're running a company, you should have a base salary. And then you should have some sort of stock incentive program to help continue to grow the company. Well, then we get into the third bucket, which are what called non-equity incentive plans. And these are based on the relative performance of the company benchmarked against a pre-selected group of peer companies. This phrase is known as relative TSR or RTSR which is known as relative total shareholder return. And like I mentioned, it's benchmarked against a pre-selected group of companies. And why this is important is that one of the things that was pointed out in this Reuters article is that 90% of the largest oil and gas companies use relative TSR to calculate long-term stock incentives for senior executives. And across the S&P 500, 60% of companies use relative TSR. So like it or not, this is a huge part of the energy business and the overall executive compensation plan when we talk about all industries, not just the energy industry and on its face relative TSR sounds like a great idea especially when one of the oldest phrases in the world is you can't compare apples to oranges and it's true it's tough to compare tech companies to industrial companies to healthcare companies to defense contractors to the energy business you can't compare how each is going if you're in the if you're in the you know my dad is in the defense business that always grows we always just spend more I just I mean, whether you like it or not, we just spend more on defense every single year because that's what happens. Security is one of our biggest things, and it's one of the biggest things our government does for us is attempts to keep us safe. So spending the defense just always grows. So no, you, you look it. It depends on which political party is in power. That's true, and we're not a political show, so we're not. You can make your own conclusions on that, but 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 even under the the Democrats, Obama grew the defense budget four or five times. When he was there, I mean, he was one of the worst offenders of of you know unmanned drones, and 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 offenders maybe is the wrong word because I think you could argue. So the point is, there are industries that just always grow. There are industries that grow, contract, grow, and you have you you can't compare cross industries because it's too tough. And so that's what relative TSR does when you become an oil and gas company or CEO of a company. You have a, a list of what are known as peer companies, and if you're if you're Exxon, if you're Shell, if you're BP, that's your peer company. You're in your oil and gas major. If you're a company that's much smaller, a small public oil and cap like a like a friends of the show Silverbow Resources, your peer companies are probably you know Permian operators, Eagleford operators. You know that peer company list is different for each company, but what it does is it allows you to say how am I doing relative to my competitors, which when on face value, I like that. As somebody who's trying to, you know, obviously has a podcast in the oil and gas space, you know, Newsflash, we're not the most listened to podcast in the space, but I want to be. So I would love an incentive plan that bell, that relative my performance based upon my competitors because I only think our numbers are going to go up and I want to know what my growth is versus my competitors' growth. Uh, I want to Michael, my, yeah? Uh, after the show, you and I will have to talk about your compensation plan. Yikes! This is—is is, is HR going to be with you? You're going to have HR come with me. You got to have HR in the room. I'm getting let go. I'm just kidding. No, we're going to change your plan to incentive. I like the idea. I do love an incentive-based plan because it—it—I it, it, think incentive-based plans on their face, right? On the in the face, they sound very, very, very good, and in 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 most of the times, uh, the use of TSR for long-term stockism works perfectly. If your company does not do well, you generally don't get paid. If your company does well, you get paid, specifically to your other companies. Well, the interesting part about the energy business is 
it's a commodities-based. And this is what I tell people all the time when they ask me about what's going on in the industry. Well, you got to understand, it's not. This isn't the tech industry where, where where you're selling a product. Now you can sell a product. There are tech companies in the energy space. But if you're an, an oil and gas company, if you're an oil and gas exploration company, you're it's a commodities-based industry. You're you're ninety you know eighty to ninety percent, and unless you're a major who has a, a you know a midstream or a downstream component integrated in what we would call IOCs, it's all oil revenue. How much you're producing times the price. It's sort of easy to figure out how much you're making. Now it's way more complicated than that. So I don't need I don't need CFOs calling me up and you know we get it's much more complicated than that. But at the end of the day, it's production times price. That's a pretty good idea of the revenue you're making. When oil price goes down. It hurts your bottom line. When it goes up, it helps your bottom line. So you have to, that's why relative TSR got big in the oil industry because because there are so many ebbs and flows in commodities price. We see $100 oil. We saw negative $37 three weeks ago. That's going to be a, a trivia fact in five years. What, what day was it when oil went negative? And you can reference, you heard about it on the podcast. So just remember, remember that. But it, 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 so obviously, you know, negative $37 and $140 oil, that just never happens. Like we don't see that too often. It doesn't necessarily come out. But somewhere between $70 oil all the way down to, you know, $20 oil, that happens all the time. And we see that. And that has an insane impact on the bottom line. So TSR works well because it allows you to judge yourself based upon what's going on in the in energy industry. But here... Here's the kicker, and here's where, you know, I, we talk about on the show all the time how we don't like three-way callers. I'm, I'm not a three-way caller fan. It's, it's, you're, you're basically, it's basically you're booby-trapping and you're playing Russian roulette. You might win six out of seven times, and you get the great rush, but that one out of seven times literally might kill you or put you in, in you into, a redis, into a redisclosure. Um, that sort of is what's happening with TSR because... When you're in a commodities-based industry and your energy price collapses or you have a complete collapse in the industry, well, everybody is going to go down. And, and, and specifically, when we look over the past, I think it's 10 years. I want to get my facts right here. I have, I have, I have the number pulled up. See, I don't, even have, I, I don't even have the number pulled up. Not quite good. But when I, when I find it here, I will pull. Basically, it's returns relative to the S&P. Because the S&P 500 is, is a conglomerate of the top 500 companies, and on average, it gains about 7% a year. If you were to invest money into an ETF, not this year, obviously, this is, a, this is, this is not the year you're getting 7% annually, but it, may, it very well may be um, that year over year, there was about 7 and And so really what, what that means is this. Since the end of 2016, the market capitalization of the S&P 500 Energy Index, which is SPNY, so this is all the energy companies which are in the S&P 500, has fallen to about $725 billion, which is down 46%. So since 2016, S&P 500 energy companies have lost 50% of their market capitalization. So that means everybody is getting hammered. Every, every company across the board, divide, go to 2016, divide their, divide their stock price in at least half. Sometimes even more, sometimes a little less. Obviously, 46% is the average, so there's some above, below. But that is a huge number. That means you're telling me more than half the companies have lost more than 50% of their... That, and, and, and that's industry-wide. This is not specific companies. Every single company is down at least some percentage points, especially now the coronavirus has happened. 
I don't think there is a, I don't have to do the reason. I haven't actually looked this up because you, it depends how you want to set your levels. But it, I bet you we could set a chart that showed no oil and gas companies made money in the past five years. And, and so it can be a little deceptive when you look at these numbers. You can really make a chart say anything it's kind of like a good statistics you can you know all statistics are you know four out of five statistics are made up you can really just you can make sometimes stats play what you want but i guarantee we could come up with a chart that shows no oil and gas oil and gas companies made zero money and returned zero money to shareholders and actually cost shareholders money over the past five years and yet and yet and this is where the people on energy finance twitter and etf get fired up is because over the past 10 years, the largest 15 oil producers, their executives have received more than $2 billion in reported compensation. So obviously that number's smaller when we talk about the last five years. Maybe it's a billion. I don't know what that number is. But that is that's a huge still a lot. What's that's a, a lot a of billion? money that's been taken from shareholders and, and shareholders being large institutionals. So let's not. it's not the individuals. It's not necessarily me and you losing money, but it's just trading money between... Handing it over to the executives. I mean, it's 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 super tricky because that doesn't look good on its face value. Those two statistics do not look good. You've lost half of your enterprise value over five years, yet you have pocketed over two billion in executive. And so that's where, on its face value, people say, "Whoa, that's not good." But but but. Why has that happened? Well, it's because of this use of relative TSR. It's the only way to measure the way... It's the only way to accurately measure the way executives should be compensated in their industry because if you didn't do this... because So, so the easiest answer to say is, well, let's just don't do relative TSR. Just do actual TSR. Well, that means that you have executive compensation plans are going to be rewritten every three weeks. Every time oil spikes five bucks, if I was an executive, I would just have a, I would just have somebody. I mean, Haynes and Boone. I don't know if they do executive compensation, but they would love, they would love this because that means more work for them. Every three weeks, they just get a, you know, charge a couple, of, you know, you know, maybe five figures to go do a new executive compensation plan. I mean, I, lawyers would love this because it would allow them to rewrite all these plans so quickly if you didn't have this relative term in there because it, it, it you know, and so that's where, you know. It's 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 this you know idea that both things can be true, and along that same note, there are companies who are very bad offenders of this, and there are companies that are decent offenders of this. And I don't want to get I don't want to get too deep into who are some of the worst offenders, but I think it's helpful to call out. You got to call somebody out. The two companies that I, when you just look at the numbers, just are uh, terrible, terrible offenders of the executive compensation. Why? and why the energy business when it comes to oil and gas executive compensation gets a bad rap is really, I think, quantified right here. Devon Energy and Noble Energy are two of the companies. Specifically, when you look at their CEO comments, uh, you know, their CEO compensation, when, we look at, when you look at Devon, over the past five years, CEO David Hager has made $52 million in total compensation. And this is all three buckets that he has earned. This is pocketed money. This is not what he's in line to get. This is pocketed money between all three buckets. He's had a thirty. He has a thirty-four point five million dollar change of control package. So if they ever want to make a change with him, he gets a nice thirty-four, thirty-five million dollar boop out the door. Over that five years, Devin is down eighty-seven percent. 
eighty-seven percent, eight dollar. You know, when in the, you know, couple, you know, eight dollars and eighty. You know, about eight dollars stock. I mean, that's just whew, brutal. Another one, Noble Energy. CEO David Store, fifty-eight million dollars since twenty fourteen. Noble's down seventy-eight percent over that time, and you know, there's there's a lot of other stuff we could get into with Noble Energy. Just go take a look at at, at, at you know, I'd, I'd, I'd give you an opportunity to go Google Noble Energy sometime. It's uh, some interesting stuff um, you might find. That's not good, and 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 and, and it's that that's not good. Fifty-eight no. million dollars since twenty sixteen to have an, a seventy-eight percent decrease. And those are, you know, this Reuter article pointed out specifically for Devon Energy. They were 11th among its 15th peer company group. They were 11th out of 15th. And COD, he, he, he pulled in 1 million. It was 1.3 million that he did last year. You can actually look up all these numbers. Look up, it was one, David Hager, 1.3 million stock at the end of last year. And he was fifth, 11th out of 15th. I mean, that, that, it's not even, you don't even get a medal. Medals go no. down to like podiums, top three. Medals are like top six. You probably get in in today's era. You probably get a participation trophy all the way down to ten. But if you're blower than that, you probably don't. You don't get anything. You probably don't even get a Greyhound bus refund to get back from the track event. And yet, and so this is, and and, and so all this is to be said, is that that's what gets it. But much like there are offenders, there are people who do executive compensation correctly. And Stu, I think, is the best example of that. Oh, you bet. Hey, uh, what? I'd love a 34, do you say $34 million golden parachute? That's what I've got. If they replace me as host, it's about a 34, $35 million parachute. So, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. here for a while, folks. Oh, absolutely. Hey, um, Liberty, our friends over at Liberty Frack, there are several others out there. But I'll tell you what, Chris Wright and the executive staff over at Liberty Frack, I have used them in examples for ESG. Uh, they had some serious problems. They had to make some layoffs. It was coming into some tough times. Their executives, you also talked about it on the show as well too, and that was 60% pay cut for the executives. Yes. Not only do they line up their employees and have them, we've talked about this, have them drink their own frac fluid, they are ESG and management took the hit as well too, Michael. I can't say enough about Liberty Frack's example. No, I think they are a, a shining light in how to correctly go about this weird executive compensation because that's how every executive in every industry going back to when public companies were a thing in the 1920s. It's all incentive program so it's not like the oil industry is is creating this new idea this isn't you know this isn't non-gap cat free cash flow this isn't just a made-up term this is this is actually how from since for as far as the eye can see in every industry and going back as far as you can think this is how companies have been in so i think the point of all of this and i think why we spent you know we were over 25 minutes now here on this 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 opening segment on specifically compensation why we bring this up is if you if, if if you're confused right now about to what to think about executive compensation, perfect. That's the exact place you should be in because really the the one thing you need to take away from this is this is the this is not an easy there's not an easy solution. It's not just let's move over to actual TSR. Maybe it's a blend. You know, my 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 my, my idea would be let's create more buckets. You know, if if everyone loves streams of income, give these guys four or five, six streams of quote-unquote income, but make them more tied to performance of that company, non-relative to other companies. Maybe that's an idea. I don't know what the solution is. This is not a little above my realm. But what I do know is this, that the waters are muddled. 
There's no easy solution. And anyone who's claiming to have the perfect answer on how to compensate executives, they're lying to you about how just odd of a paradox relative TSR is when you talk about commodity-based industries that tend to ebb and flow and, and, and we're in an, a complete pullback, at least for the past five years, relative to how the rest of the industries are going. That That's what I have, Stuart. Is anything I missed here? Anything that we need to get in here before we sort of, we've done what must be done. We gotta, we'll got we lay it to bed at this point. No, it, we got to move on to the next segment. But on, uh, I will say some of their performance-based uh, mechanisms need to be tied to consumer ESG, uh, their ESG plan, and employee happiness or surveys so that they are not just running over. They need to take care of all stakeholders, investors, employees, and consumers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is a sort of a, a small the tangent point, but I think for a while the energy industry, when when the energy industry is going well, it's one of the best businesses to work in. So the, the compensation plans. I mean, I when I was graduating college, I, I had buddies go get making six figures out of college, six figures out of college. You don't that that's that's rare to happen. I, I but when the energy industry goes south, those the, the, the jobs are the first to cut. So the ebbs and flows of not only employee happiness. But employee, you know, all that's of ebbs and flows, and why it's just it's overall being in a commodities-based industry, the rules can sometimes just not fall in your favor, and so it's it's odd. But I, I think I think we've got everything that needs to be said about that. If you have anything you'd like to, to if you'd like to get in on this conversation, please email the show mtanner at intercominc.com. We would love to know your thoughts, where you stand on this, because we're always looking for new data. Um, um, but but but. You know, we're always looking for news, so please email, connect with us on LinkedIn, do all that. Is that everything? Anything more we need to cover on that? I don't think so. Perfect. And I think it's time just to move in to the week upcoming in oil trading. As always, this segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do insanely good research, and all of the research on this podcast is provided from their Energy Glimpse solution. I can't say enough about these guys. Just go check them out, www.sandstonecg.com, 949-561-1818. If you want to give them a call, Mention the podcast. It's the only way we get credit. You can call them up. They can do some work for you. They do great work, by the way. But but, but if you don't mention the 360 Digital Closing World Podcast, you won't, we don't get credit, and it doesn't really help us. So uh, we appreciate you mentioning the podcast, and we appreciate all of our sponsors. When I sort of just look at what's what's coming up this week, specifically in the U.S. shale business, you know, I, I think, you know, really the, the impending bankruptcies, I think, are a huge, huge thing that's coming down the pipeline i think probably next monday we're gonna we're gonna run a larger segment on that just sort of looking at you know if you, if you, if you are an investor how can you what are some classic red flags because we have some we have some examples of companies who have gone bankrupt we we have an idea of maybe some of the companies that will how do you as a as a, as a retail investor who if you're invested as a re, on the retail side or on the common share side of an energy company and they go bankrupt you're basically leaving with zero i mean you're going to get 95 percent of your portfolio is going to be wiped out on that position so how do you exit how do you make sure you get out if you are maybe invested in some of these companies i think the other big thing is just continued demand growth um, traffic consumption last week according to a rice Dad energy article i saw this dropped friday it was four four uh four percent week over week what was interesting though and, and, and we've had some this this weekend has specifically been very odd with 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 the with 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 the protests that have that have happened Friday and Saturday, gasoline demand was actually down four or five percent. People weren't driving. Obviously, I mean, I was in Denver last night. We had, I don't know if you had it in Dallas, but we, I got a one of those texts on my phone. We had curfew. You couldn't leave your house after eight. It was a little, a little weird to be honest with you. Yep, it so, is. 
so Friday, Saturday, specifically, um, according to Gas Buddy, we saw, which is the, the, the gas app. They do really cool uh, gasoline demand interactive charts. It was actually down Friday to Friday, just from Friday to the, to the Friday before that. But um, overall, gasoline demand is actually is coming up. And specifically, demand is good to see. DOE back on its normal schedule will drop Monday. The only other article that I saw, this is actually Oil and Gas 360 article that you can check out. It originally was a CNBC um, big, big, big investment banks bringing their traders back. And this is, this is key because, um, one of the big advantages institutions and hedge funds have when they sit there and trade is they have information, the information, obviously from all of the data, but also other traders. You know, if you're, a, if you're a new trader, you're a junior trader, you, you, your desk could be next to head of, you know, head of rates trading. You could have, and, and this guy's feeding information. And one of the biggest, you know, you know, one of the biggest advantages it, 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 I, I liken investment banks to, inter, you know, to, to integrated oil and gas companies. If you have an upstream, a midstream, and a downstream, you can maneuver the way you do things as a company. If you're Exxon, you can maneuver the way you maybe you take a loss on your upstream portion in order to gain a bigger profit on your downstream and can shift risk that way. Well, that's what happens with and you know, you know and also if you're on the if you, if you own a refinery. And Exxon knows that there are going to be some refinery issues coming up. They can communicate that to their upstream part and prepare for that maybe a little ahead of them. What other do. And that's what happens with, with these large investment banks, specifically on the trading side. You have huge movements in the bond market that affect what happens in the equities market. And if, and, and if you're a bond trader with Goldman Sachs and you know that tomorrow, hey, we're selling a trillion dollars worth of you know, European bonds. Well, you know what that means? There's going to be flooded the market with, with, with currency. If you're, a, if you're an equities trader, if you're a European or equities trader, you're going to go to your Forex buddy and say, let's short the euro and then pick up there. So the, the cross integration of knowledge between them really comes up. And I think you're going to start seeing some of these gains continue to come back. And if you're a retail trader, just watch out for that. These pros are been trading from their homes. They've done a good job um, considering the coronavirus. But once they get back in their element, they get their screens ready to roll. Everyone's got the terminal sitting in front of them. It will be a different story. So watch out. That's when, when, when these banks start to come back. Certainly Morgan Stanley, they're going to bring them back uh, mid-June. Goldman Sachs is heading up there. They've created a commission to actually talk about what's going to happen. But these trading units are some of the first to come back. And there's a reason for that. They're some of the most profitable parts of that business outside of just general money raising aspects of that. So if you are a retail trader, watch out. That will be happening. On the international side, Stu, what do we got? International News Desk. International News Desk. Hey, we we may have some announcements on a uh, sponsor on there. We're, we do. Uh, looking to sign we will. Yeah, looking to sign the paperwork internationally. Uh, Oil and Gas 360 is doing phenomenal. Hey, um, we're going to watch this next week uh, on storage. Even though our demand is is going up, uh, we had an excellent article out, and there are uh, 50 million barrels of foreign crude sitting mm -hmm. off of our shore that just hit our shore that is going to erase all of our shut-ins so um this brings up the the question you and i have had from olivier in the past on one of our other interviews from quorum software why don't we have a consortium of canada and mexico and the united states we could trade for the different blends of oil that we need just between those two, I mean, they have it. 
let's just wipe out the rest of the trade from the other folks. Wipe out trade with Russia, wipe out trade with uh, everybody else. Let's get the oil price between the three companies. Sorry for ranting, but this is a big international news story no, that is it's, going to affect us. Well, it's huge. And I, really, I think the, 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 the part about this where I might push back with you a little bit is when it comes to we, it just the, the reason why we, we, would, we would buy from Canada and Mexico only if we could. But we can't. Exactly. The, the, the economics don't make sense. And so what, to slap a trade agreement, I don't know. It, it might be it, the it, best it, solution. The, the trade agreement is there. The egress from Canada is not because of the politics. So, it, you know, you it's talk to Heidi about it. We did. And we've talked to other folks about it. But it, that's an ideological uh, theory that I would love to see. But there are other many, many plays that are in there. Um, in a in a perfect world, I'd love to do business with my wonderful neighbors. Yeah, I no, I agree. I it's a tough one, and I think I think there's a way because it's not just as simple as where are we getting our oil from. There's so many different types. Go to oilprice.com. You go look at click oil prices. There's 65 different blends. So it's yep. it's 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 a little different than just say where are we buying our oil from. But no, it's an interesting thing, and, and maybe we'll have to bring Olivier back on to talk about that but when we kind of just dig into the levels for the week nothing's really changed my my you know really you know oil sitting 35 49 unprecedented territory if you go back you know over you know it's it, it, it takes us going back you know three months before we really saw um on this chunk and really what the crazy part is is between 35 and 41 there's nothing so basically we're oil sitting at the top right now and obviously it can fill in but there's no volume so i i'm not telling you what's going to happen i have no levels to the upside if you're a bull and think it's going to go up great trade away now's a great entrance point my bias next week though is bear i think 32 77 31 49 excuse me i think those are the biggest plumps of volume to the downside it just it's it's I just don't believe oil should be in the 40s. So if 35, 36 is the top for me, I you, you just got to stick with your gut. There's just too much volume to the downside. Do I think it's going to go into the 20s? I don't know. I think 30 might be a, a good floor. I really think 3150 is your floor. I think if you're range trading 35, maybe 36, depending on how you know bullish you are, to 31 is a nice five dollar chunk that you can work as as really great levels. And and when you look at the COT, they're sort of they're giving you mixed signals. Obviously, everybody on the managed money side is getting long on oil, but they're also adding to their shorts, which is interesting. So you had eighteen thousand contracts on the long side get added last week, but you also had four thousand on the short side. Which now remember, there's a four day gap between. This is not this week. This was last Tuesday to Tuesday. So this, you know, remember last Tuesday to Tuesday, we were running really high. So it'll be very interesting next Friday when we see these numbers drop, but also it'll be the end of this week. So it'll be very interesting to see where oil goes from here. Commitment of traders, I don't necessarily think shows anything. It does show that operators are getting long, uh, short on the swap side, which is very interesting. Um, I do like seeing that. Um, you know, like I said, my bias on on oil is bear. Obviously, you're going to see that in the 360 fund, but but that's kind of what I have, you know, upcoming in the you know looking out for the week in oil. Anything we're missing in, in, for the week upcoming in trading? Uh, I think we're going to be below 30, and the reason I Got say it. that is the, the fleet of storage uh, sitting out there. 
So I think storage is now going to be a problem next yeah. week. I think we're going to hit 28, 29. Okay. Well, interesting. And, and, and I think, I mean, I, 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 like I said, my bias is bare, so I'm with you on that side. I, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. We'll, we'll have to see what all ha- what, what happens with the storage. I'm very interesting to see because because the interesting part is is with this oil that's coming in, it's 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 going to replace it, but it's going to be gone quickly. It's not like it's always going to be there. It's more of a one time glut that's going to hit. So it'd be very you know it'd be very interesting to sort of see. My sources say there's more right behind it. Oh, so there you heard it here first, folks, on the oil and gas three sixty. Sources say. <laughs> um, I think it's time. Let's go ahead and move into our 360 official, non-official fund. Before we do that, as always, the lawyers make us say this so you don't sue us. This segment is for entertainment purposes only. Everyone on this show, i.e. Michael Tanner and Stuart Turley, we invest for our own account. We do not manage any outside money. We do not give investment advice. We do not offer securities help where we have no involvement in the regulated side of the industry. Remember, investing is risky and you can or will lose your entire principal. Stu, how's your side of the portfolio going? Uh, pretty pretty mediocre. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, the the only one that I really have doing well is Duke Energy and Chenier. So uh, Duke Energy is uh, solid. The charts looking great. Technicals are looking great. Everything else is kind of just hanging in there. Yeah, Tomcat as he's still out, but as remember he was bottom feeding, so we like that. My side of the portfolios, you know, I'm I was in on Bonanza Creek, fourteen fifty, about sixty five shares. So we're in, it's not trading at sixteen ninety, so we did some decent two three dollar increase on that. Last week I was short CL and got my shorts eaten on that one. I'm adding to the position right now. I'm doubling down. I'm I'm bearish again on oil. I've got two contracts uh, that we'll short here, probably thirty five forty. Maybe we'll see what happens right when the market opens here. And as remember, we do have two natural gas contracts that are our long-term hedge. All the experts keep telling us it's going to be $3, 4 bucks. So, I mean, we, we, this should be free, free money on this. If you guys have any picks for us or want us to start covering some companies, please reach out to the show. Anything else in the fund? Our fund overall is green. I mean, we're, 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 just, we're only up 2-3%, so this portfolio is not killing us. Um, we're going to be doing some redos to the, the the 360 landing page, and we're actually going to be putting up the numbers and and ha- so we can have a percentage of what our portfolio is actually looking like because it's not that hard to actually do this. It should be very simple to get this set up. So we will get that guys to you very soon. Anything else, Stu? Before we let these guys go, we've we've ranted for a while today. It's it's a gorgeous Monday. We need to let them get back to work here. Oh, you bet. Thank you very much for your time, Michael. Outstanding no. job. Thank you. Well, and like I said, just please continue to subscribe. 360 Digital Closing about iTunes, Spotify, Intercoms, YouTube. Check out the Energy 360 Network on the world's greatest website, www.oilandgas360.com. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys get back to work. Thank you for checking out the 360 Digital Closing Bell. We will see you this afternoon for the Digital Ticker.